Welcome into Slick Talk. This latest episode is being recorded live on November 3rd. Ben, is there anything going on today on November 3rd? Uh, nothing I can think of, uh, you know. No, yeah, I, I, there's nothing going on. I definitely haven't been, you know, incessantly checking the news or anything for hours on end. Nothing like that at all. No, no. no needless to say, <laughs> this, is a, this is a pretty big day, but I'm going to be happy when it's over. I'm going to be happy to be marching towards any semblance of normal. And part of normal for us on the day-to-day is obviously talking about oil. Used oil analysis, but that's not the main event for today's show. Today's show is about diesel fuel because just in in my goings-on, especially on social media, Ben, I will post photos of, you know, a, a diesel fuel sample or a gasoline sample. And anytime fuel comes up, people are... People are taken aback usually. Like I don't think they assume that we look at this stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they, you know, you think of us, you think of you think of oil, but you don't think of, you know, some of the uh <clears throat> the other things that we actually wind up testing every single day here. There's so many different applications and people need to know serviceability, contamination, etc. Um but yeah, before we get into all that, just want to do a little bit of catching up because it's been a while. Since we first talked on here, the Cordoba episode has has gained some status, and it just picked up quite a few listens. People enjoyed it, so we had to have you back on here. Nice. And in the time since, you know, there's just there's been a lot of passage of time, and people haven't gotten to know the both of us all that well. So in this game of catching up, what's been new with you? Just give the audience a little bit of the goings-on in the life of Ben. Um. Well, uh... Let's see. On a personal level, um, you know, it's same soup reheated every day. I go to been going to work, going to my mixed martial arts classes, do a lot of hiking on the weekends. Um, that's uh, that's all been, you know, pretty much same old, same old. Uh, here at work, I've actually started. Uh, Branching out a little bit and have been learning how to uh, do aircraft filter analysis. Been working with uh, Luke on that and uh, learning about those. And that's been uh, a really surprisingly interesting, um, fun new thing to add to the workday. Yeah, getting away from the keyboard, getting away from writing reports and just doing some hands-on stuff is a good time. And we, we enjoy it. As analysts, I think we we look forward to it having those opportunities. Oh, yeah. So it's it's definitely fun to get a little change of pace there. I just think it's good for people to know that you know we're we're definitely not afraid to get our hands dirty. Um, on my end of things, I had a dream last night, and and this is all real. I pr- I'm not making this up for entertainment. This isn't just for pizzazz. This is real, folks. Okay, I had a dream about oil. And it was, it was kind of a harrowing episode. So I was, I I dreamed I was leaving work and this guy in like a mechanic jumpsuit, you know, 
didn't have the Michael Myers mask, but mechanic jumpsuit. He comes running up to me, empty parking lot. And he, I, I couldn't quite make out what he was saying, but he just kept saying, like, it's gone, it's gone. And I was like, what's gone? He's like, the oil, it's gone. And he, like, directed me over to a broken down car. And he was like, it's gone. Six quarts, six quarts. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. He's like, I was like, so, uh, I, I think my first question was, well, what's the sump capacity? Can you drive? <laughs> and he's like, no. And then so um, I get in the I get in the truck. I go to the nearest gas station to go get this guy some oil. And I was doing my thing. I was getting ready to go. And then, like, you know, I remember buying the oil. And then I looked down. And it was diesel engine oil. And I was like, oh, no. He definitely doesn't have a diesel engine. <laughs> so... That car doesn't take 15W40, Joe. No, it needs 520 conventional, baby. But anyway, um, (laughs) so I I was able to get the oil back. But the thing was, the dream, you know, to to reference Inception, the dream collapsed when I was returning to get the oil to the guy. So I really hope that I have a follow-up to that tonight where I find out what happened and whether or not that six quarts made it home. That's like the oil version of uh, you uh, You dream that you're falling off of a cliff and you wake up just before you hit the ground. You woke up just before you put the wrong oil in somebody's engine. <laughs> yes. I mean, who among us, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, you know, you mentioned that you were still doing some hiking. I'm pretty envious of any movement right now because post-marathon, right. I'm 99% sure I have a stress fracture in my foot and it's... It's been part of the reason I've been sidelined for a while. It's it's legitimately painful to walk around. Um, I'm hoping it's just a few weeks because it's the longest I've gone without running since April, and that's it's yeah. It's I mean that's the the plight of the old men that we are, Joe. I uh, pretty sure I fractured a toe. Uh, um, a few months back, um, practicing some kicks and, uh, wasn't right for about four months. Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I just want to, you know, like so many of our customers, I want the quick fix, right? Like, you know, I, I want to be able to just, uh, just slap an additive in there. Just put an yeah. additive on it and it'll fix it all. <laughs> like yeah. That's... I need, I need cam guard for my toe. Yes. <laughs> Very good joke for for the aircraft community. Please <laughs> shout out if, if you got that one. Um, lastly, before we get into the main event, giveaway update. So thanks to everyone who entered the Slick Talk giveaway. I have at least four entries on iTunes. This was an iTunes giveaway. I have four entries, but remember, folks, we need to be tagged in the post so screenshot your review that you left on our iTunes, tag us, and that way we know who you are, and that way we can get you your hat and your shirt. So thanks to everyone for entering. Again, that's huge. We got a lot of five-star ratings and reviews off of that, and that's you know awesome, but please, please claim your review by tagging us in a post and letting us know, hey, Blackstone, that was me who left the review, and that way we can get you your prizes. So now, Ben, without further ado, we are looking at diesel fuel today. We're going to break down what we can find, what results matter. 
And I think yes. you'd, you'd be uh, good to lead us off here. Just take us through our testing. All right. So for um, diesel fuel samples, uh, those cost $43. Um, and we some of the testing that we do on those is, is, is similar to what we do for our standard oil analysis. And uh, some of it's very, very different. Um, we do run diesel. Uh, diesel fuel samples through the spectrometer. So we do a spec exam for that, um, you know, looking for unusual elements. Um, you know, a big one for that is is iron. And Joe, if you want to tell people maybe what, uh, what iron can tell us in the spectral exam. Yeah, so ideally you don't want to have anything more than a trace. And by trace, I'm talking about one, two parts per million. If you have a lot of iron in there, you know, that might show rust. Uh, contamination and I, it just metals in general we shouldn't find very much you know it should be pretty clean right right and another one um and the elements um that can come up and and be a big red flag in fuel samples um, just like an oil silicon uh, can show you know dirt that's gotten into the fuel tank which is uh you know a concern for a few different reasons um, uh, not the least of which that it can uh, plug up and foul your fuel filter, which will just cause all kinds of problems. Yeah, and with dirt and debris, you know, obviously silicon's a nice little giveaway, along with, you know, we're always going to be looking at these things visually for anything that shouldn't be there either. Um, and then try, and if we do find solids, measure them out with the insolubles test. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um. And moving on to that, uh, one of the, uh, the the major tests that we do on, on diesel fuel samples is the flashpoint uh, test because that can show us um, whether that, uh, that sample has been contaminated by gasoline, which is a common concern in diesel systems. You know, somebody isn't thinking... They just automatically pull up to the gas pump instead of the diesel pump, put some, uh, put some you know, regular pump gas into a diesel tank, and, uh, you know, that ain't good. Yeah, people run into those mistakes. Also, people are worried about vandalism. They'll wonder mm-hmm. if, if someone put gasoline in there. They'll wonder about water. And they also, when you talk about water and diesel fuel samples, kind of the the next point you end up is DEF um, contamination because the, you know, the, the tanks are close together. So again, could be purely accident, could be a little bit of vandalism there, but yeah, DEF is something that people ask us about a lot too. Yeah. Yeah. DEF in, in uh, you know, that's where uh, for DEF uh, you know, our, our, our regular testing can show us immediately you know, if there's, if there's <clears throat> water present in there and yeah, that could be regular water. That could be DEF. Um, but that's, that's one of those cases too, where, uh, you know, the old, old school nose test is going to give you a good indication on whether or not that water is, is just regular water. If that's coming from DEF, cause if it's coming from DEF, you're going to get a strong ammonia smell from the sample. 
Yeah, the the smell test is is definitely an old reliable, and I've I've come across a couple cases um, where we were even able to obtain the urea percentage um, because a certain urea content is another giveaway mm-hmm. um, that DEF is is there. You might have some uh, crystal like uh, material around the uh, lid of the sample bottle itself. So yeah, and it's you come into an interesting you know, range here where you'll have the insurance samples where, you know, these are obviously kind of, they're related to a warranty or, or a claim or something like that. And then we'll just have the everyday person who is, you know, they stumbled upon maybe a, a fuel tank and, and they don't know if, if the fuel can be used or not. Right, right, right. And I guess that, that leads us into the, uh, the last, um, uh, test that we do on that, uh, it, which is a specific gravity, which, you know, if that, if that's off, you know, if it's too high or too low, that that's an immediate indicator for whether or not that fuel is fit for use. Yeah. And the, the specific gravity, the flashpoint, I think one thing that can kind of trip people up, there's no, you know, all these things matter, um, to the point where, if you have an okay specific gravity, if you have an okay flashpoint, but we find contamination that can overwhelm a fuel filter or we find water, um, solid material, the fuel's not going to be fit for use. So I think that's it's kind of a interesting separation from oil samples where like folks will want to maybe extend the oil change interval. We might let them do that even if they have a couple things that don't look maybe uh, pristine. You right. know, maybe they have a... Uh, metal that's been a bit high for a while, but we we know that we're comfortable with it, so we extend the interval. So you know, a high level there doesn't matter, or a slightly high or low viscosity, we might let that go. But fuel is just a lot more concrete, and it's a lot more you know, it doesn't take much. Basically, you want to have all these results mm-hmm. look good before we tell you to use it or not yeah yeah it's fuel is very cut and dry it is either fit for use or unfit for use and any one thing being out of spec will instantly make it unfit for use because that's just not something you want to you want to mess around with yeah yeah no this is this is very easily coming down to whether or not you want that vehicle um to run and when we do get into contamination with diesel fuel, we do get into uh, bacteria testing because, you know, if we find some unusual substances there, you know, it doesn't look like dirt per se, um, but some sort of contaminant that um, folks will sometimes need to determine if it's bacteria related, mm. bacterial growth. So this is an additional test. Um, we will not automatically test for bacteria um, unless you ask us, and 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 here's the reason why uh, it's it's involved. Um, yeah. it, it it takes much longer than uh, just running a standard diesel fuel analysis. I want to say it's at least a day, a couple days, maybe. I believe it's three. Um, yeah, because you need time for that stuff to to work its magic. And there's three main things we're going to be looking for as far as results we can obtain, and we can check for yeast, mold and anaerobic bacteria. So some of these things are going to be really important for people, especially if you're in some sort of um, dispute where you need to establish factually what is present in the fuel. 
and we can, you know, help confirm certain contaminants. So yeah, bacteria testing, $43. Standard diesel fuel testing, $43. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, for there are so many things that we can test for in, in, in fuel. And uh, that said, there are some things that, that we do get asked about. I know I have been asked about a kind of shocking shocking amount of times is um you know people are people will send in a sample and they suspect that somebody has poured sugar into their fuel tank and they want us to test uh that that fuel to see if there's any sugar present in there and that unfortunately that's one of the things that we just can't we just we we don't test for uh you know contaminants like that that are you know clear-cut cases of 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 that sort of vandalism i think it might surprise people a little bit because it's kind of like when when we when we say that i think people think we might not be taking a common sense approach to what we literally see maybe what we can literally even feel if we are you know checking the sample closely like yes it's obviously there's something there and and maybe the likelihood is very good that sugar but there's not a result as far as our analysis that screams that is sugar. Right. Like, yeah, it's, it's not going to make itself readily apparent in the results we run. So yes, it is a situation common sense wise. Yes. Do we see something that, you know, looks like a duck walks like a duck. That's not the same thing as having a result say, this is a clear identifier of sugar. Right. Right. But that's, that's a good segue into, Another segment I want to start doing on a regular basis, and that's tough questions, where we kind of bring up situations where we're asked a question that just goes a little bit beyond the scope of our analysis. Mm -hmm. I think the reason this interests me is it kind of gives listeners a look into what exactly a lab is capable of and why, and and, and what, what are the limitations so that way you have a little bit more to go on, especially when you have a situation come up where you're not sure, you know, what uh, what a lab can can shed light on. So we just want to bring up some interesting ones. For me, um, I had a sample the other day where it was oil from an engine that was suffering from a severe coolant leak uh, to the point where about 48% of the sample, Ben, was solid. Ooh. And, and just to give people a little bit of frame of reference here, I mean, I'm sure most people can, can you know, readily ascertain that 48% shouldn't be solid, but 0.6% is high. Yeah. We're talking 48 whole, whole percents. Um, so that's how badly the oil was oxidizing and... The thing about running a sludge sample, if we can dilute it enough to run through our machines, then we can kind of, you know, get some insight on it. The flip side of that, though, is due to how much dilution it might take, metals can be affected. So here is a tough question. The guy, you know, we had found a high lead level, nothing crazy. I would say it was high enough to notice. Mm-hmm. And, he, and, you know, and he asked me, is bearing wear a real concern or is it something I can just watch? Should I actually visually inspect the bearings? And I was like, well, this is a situation where we can't be sure how high this really is. It's, it's already a bit high with dilution. It could be 
four times this amount. Yeah. I, it's, it's hard to say. So, yeah, that was something where I wanted to be str- as straight up as I could and be like, no, forget it. It's, it's 12 parts per million. Just just focus on getting that coolant leak addressed. But, yeah, that was a, that was a question where it's definitely – it's not an easy way out. Yeah, yeah. I had, a, I had a sample last week very similar to that where um, it had multiple – sources of contamination in it the uh, the engine had uh both a large coolant leak uh, to the point where we were still finding the water you know it was it was the potassium and the sodium were all of the, were all there but then there was a whole bunch of water on top of that and then on top of that um it had fuel contamination of it i think i six percent or more and then in the spec results um high metals pretty much across the board and but you know with that kind of contamination we're looking at so much dilution there that you know it's like hey this could be potentially catastrophic amount of wear in these metals but then again it could not but it's hard to say because we can't uh we can't get a good look due to all of that that dilution uh, from contamination in there, and that was just like a really tough one to call on because all all you know you can really say at that point is heavy wear, lots of contamination. You know, let's get some repairs done and then see how it looks after that. Yeah, I think it's sometimes it's just you have to rest on how that engine is running. Is it running? First of all, mm-hmm. um, and if it's running okay, let's start addressing contaminants, get those out of the picture, and then kind of go from there if we can and just get a clear picture. All right, so we're going to keep revisiting these questions and obviously send in questions that, you know, you might not necessarily even think they're tough questions, but you just want to know more about what we can test for, what we can find out. Send them along and we will feature them. And, you know, if we have an easy answer, we'd still love to bring them up. If it's one of those questions where we might have to dig a little deeper, we'll more than welcome those as well. But yeah, gliding us out, just to give listeners a little bit more about us, Ben, myself in particular, we talk about music a lot because honestly, when you're writing a lot of reports like we do, you need some sort of zen, you need some sort of focus. And for us, that's definitely music. We talk about probably an album a day, a couple artists a day. So we thought it would be fun to bring up just what our album of the week is, what we've been playing a lot. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Ben, I'll I'll let you kick us off here. All right. Well, Joe, uh, here lately, I've been uh, been listening to a lot of Cannibal Corpse, um, specifically the album Bloodthirst. Uh, It is... uh, it's Cannibal Corpse's album from 1999. I believe it's the third album um, to feature George Corpse Grinder Fisher on vocals after he replaced uh, Chris Barnes. Um, it's maybe not, in terms of quality, the best Cannibal Corpse album. And uh, depending on who you are listening to this, you're like, <laughs> best Cannibal Corpse album? I, I, I don't know if that exists. There might be a uh, a uh, an album that that is least likely to make me want to stick a screwdriver in my ear, but hey, man, I like death metal. If you don't like death metal, sorry. 
Um, but yeah, I really, you know, just been on that album a lot lately. It's the album that I got into Cannibal Corpse on about 20 years ago. Um, never really uh, cared for their early stuff. I still, you know, if there are any Cannibal Corpse fans out there, uh, you know, the purists might get on me for this one, but I just have always hated and will always hate the first three albums with Chris Barnes on vocals. Um, I hate Chris Barnes's vocals with a just a, a burning, searing passion. And Six Feet Under is probably the worst American death metal band um, of the last 30 years. That said, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll stop talking about that and just go on... Um, you know, I really like listening to to high energy stuff like that um, because when you're sitting at a, a a desk all day and you're writing reports and you are as severely ADHD as I am, um, you know sometimes Portishead ain't gonna cut it. You know sometimes uh, <laughs> you know sometimes Tom Waits just isn't gonna do it. Sometimes you need that Cannibal Corpse to scratch that itch and to occupy that part of your brain that is wanting to do somersaults um, so that you can then sit and get your reports written. And strangely enough, I have found that on my days where I'm listening to uh, to something like Cannibal Corpse or Carcass or The Black Dahlia Murder uh, or something like that, my productivity actually goes way up. I can appreciate that quite a bit. And and Lord knows, I mean, you have to spice it up. You absolutely do. Um, but with that being said, I mean, now I feel like I, 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 I didn't come to the plate with, with some strong stuff. Well, what do you got? What do you <laughs> got, Joe? Well, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna kick it down a notch. We're gonna kick it down a notch. We're gonna go to the basement because my album of the week is the basement tapes. Oh, it's so good. Um Recorded by Bob Dylan and the band. I'm not talking about the 1975 release. Um, you know, that if you are to search basement tapes, that's the first thing that's going to come up. Um, I, I don't really love it because that release involves a bunch of overdubs. It's not just the pure basement tape recordings. It was, yeah, it was a, oh, well, let's record this stuff. And then... Years later, because you know, it was recorded in 67, I believe. Yeah, but what a document, though. What a document of Bob Dylan and the band playing together, you know? Yes. It's 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 special for any fans of the band and any fans of Bob Dylan. If you've never made that intersection where you kind of have joined the two together, because I guess it's possible. I mean, I don't, I don't know how it's possible for me, but hmm. other people, may, maybe you've just heard the weight and you've just heard, you know, just the, the band's typical hits up on cripple Creek or something. Right. And then you've never really dived in. It's a really interesting historical document. Yeah. Because if you dig back to the original 67 recordings, it's so pure. And the reason I bring it up as my album of the week is I just noticed Apple music has the complete basement tapes collection now Ooh. that you can listen to. So this is 139 songs. And there's a lot of good standards in there. There's a lot of good originals. You have some good covers. Um, it's just really varied. So I would encourage people, if you enjoy lo-fi, you know, those 
demo quality type recordings and you want to get as pure as just Bob Dylan and four guys from the band hanging out in upstate New York, probably a Labrador on on the floor (laughs) and like, you know, a bunch of whatever they, whatever they were sipping on just hanging out in the room. And it's just like, that's so pure to me. So like, it's, it's easy to sneak. And obviously, like I said, it's 139 songs. So like, you can get lost in in the maze and before you know it you know you've written 36 reports and it just went by right. so it's um it it's really great i would say if anyone has never listened to it or they are you know total novices to bob dylan and the band check out i shall be released i'm not there and million dollar bash those are probably three of my favorites off of the basement tape so yeah Check out Campbell Corpse. Yes. Yeah, check out Basement Tapes. And uh, specifically, uh, Campbell Corpse, check out the albums Bloodthirst uh, and Kill. Been really listening to Kill a whole lot uh, the last few days, too. Fantastic. Fantastic death metal. Mix them together. And we're going to keep coming. You know, we have very... This is only our first album of the week segment. We have very varied tastes i would say you won't catch us listening to the same thing every day no no except you will catch us talking about bob dylan probably at least once every day <laughs> the two of us it it just needs to happen there there, there is discourse to be had it, there certainly is and we have it <laughs> all right but now it's been fun so we've covered a lot today um before i um, wrap things up with Ben here. Just want to remind anyone who entered the Slick Talk giveaway, please screenshot tag us with your review that you submitted so we can get those prizes out to you. If you have any questions about diesel fuel testing or any other nuggets we brought up today, you want to argue with us about music, we welcome it all. So feel free to reach out. If you have any Topic suggestions as well for future episodes, just hit us up, bstone at blackstone-labs.com, or you can always call us. If you just want to talk to Ben or I about what have you, we'll be there. So thank you for listening, and thanks, Ben, for joining. Thanks for having me back, Joe. All right. Till next time. See ya.